And welcome back to the Death by DVD. Children of the Corn Extravaganza. Yeah, we'll go with that. that that's good. The Extravaganza! I don't even know if that, that doesn't even make any logical sense in English. It's but, the Death by DVD Halloween Harvest. Hey, there you go. That's That sounds better. Yeah, there. So, um, came up with something. So, didn't tune in last time. We're doing all the Children of the Corn movies. Little episodes at a time, all the way up to Halloween. Today is the 26th? I, I don't obey or recognize 27? the laws of time. I, I'm not real sure. We're getting near Halloween. We're getting it's close to Halloween. Season. I don't math. I don't do any We math. don't want to ruin the illusion of fun, but Death by DVD is no longer live recorded, so that might mean these are... You think are I'm doing these every day? Hey, they might. Let's not ruin the magic. I mean, if they think it, they think it, but you're stupid if you think so. We don't know what day or time it is. It's August 9th, okay? <laughs> we, it's 19... we are so ahead of schedule, you don't even know. 98. How yeah, we're that ahead of schedule. I am maybe nine or ten. <laughs> I'm still an old man, regardless. Speaking of old men and children that don't age, Children of the Corn 3, Children Urban of the Harvest. Corn yeah, what a segue. Wow, you... <laughs> and I will say that hey. Children of the Corn 3 is my preferred Children of the Corn movie. Children of the Corn. Oh, wow. Because it's actually things happen in it. I, thought, I still think it's shit, though. I still think it's a terrible movie, but things happen in this terrible movie. I thought we were going to have an argument because out of all of them, I almost like this more than Children of the Corn. I and think, I, yeah, I, have, um, I have um, I have weird memories with this one that when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the South, you didn't get a lot of mainstream horror movies. And one of the video stores by my house had like Children of the Corn 3 and maybe like Hellraiser 4 or maybe 2. I don't think 4 was out at the time. I think it was Hell on Earth, so part 3. But it was always odd sequels. You know, you would get like, I don't know, there's that weird horny vampire series that's got like 14 witchcraft or whatever. There's like 14. Horny vampire there's series? Horny witches, wizards, warcraft, witch people, I don't know. Whatever. The horny yeah. vampire series, witchcraft. There was like 14 of those horny dark magic. Oh, there's like 16, series. man. Yeah, those were always all over. You know, The Return of the Living Dead 2, I always remember seeing that. But Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, stuck out like a sore thumb. And I rented it constantly. And I don't think, when I first saw this, I don't think I'd ever seen Children of the Corn. So my whole concept was like, I don't know, it's these weird Amish kids that go to the city, they plant corn, and they kill people. I love it. It's great. And I had this, like, weird concept, you know, growing up in the middle of fucking nowhere in the woods that... When you were a teenager, that it was just the city. When you went to high school, it was the city and that you'd encounter very angry guys with piercings that all had butterfly knives. And I don't know, my childhood kind of sucked and I watched this movie a lot. Well, it's interesting that you equate it with the video stores because it was a direct-to-video. This was the first, and, yeah. The very, very not first. Not only that, the I, it was the really around, what is this, 93? 95. 95. 95. Well, um, what's funny is um, Children of the Corn, I don't, it had to have been filmed in maybe 90 or 91 because Children of the Corn 4 is filmed in 1993, and that was released in 1996, and this was released in 1995. We'll, we'll get to Children of the Corn 4 <laughs> here in a second. Well, but. what I mean is part 4 or couldn't have been filmed before 3, so we're obviously looking at a time scale sometime before 1993, which I think is somewhat evident with the style, certainly, of how this movie is filmed. Oh, it's very much style in the early 90s, but... This was also when things were like direct-to-video sequels were really becoming a norm. Not only this, you had stuff like Tremors. 
I think Disney was getting ready to start doing a lot of their weird direct-to-video sequels because there was proven money to be made. And I think Dimension pushed Children of the Corn 3 really Well, it wasn't even so video. much... It's been at every video store I've ever, like, worked at or been yeah. to. They always you had a copy of Children of the Corn 3. You might not have had Children of the Corn or Part 2 or Part... Most of them didn't have 2. 2 was hard to find, but 3 was always right there. And it had a very distinctive cover. You had the kids standing with the sickle, and it said in the, the Stephen King-style font from the first movie, Children of the Corn 3. And it was, you know, very cool lit, and everything else was black. So you'd always look at it expecting something really kick-ass out of it. I don't think it was one of those neat holographic covers, but it could have played off that way. You know, you could have shined up the scythe or sickle or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Well, yeah, it's a very bland, boring cover, according to me. But... I will say it always about- stuck out to me. Like I liked that kind of, um, I don't know, innocent look to things that it just would draw you. And like, it's a kid with a, a weapon. Something looks scary about that. And even being in my instance, a kid at the time that drew me in even more like, all right, like that kid's my age and he's got a weapon. So he's going to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked at it like, wow, they're not trying very hard to advertise this. They just used a stole from the movie and slapped it on a box with the title. They didn't even like do any artwork, but this was also when they stopped doing artwork for videos and started doing Photoshop fucking big heads and stupid shit. Well, you um, mentioned that this was, um, you know, going into the market of sequels, but I don't think that t- was just necessarily the driving point that the video market for the first time was really booming. And I think, you know, companies like Dimension and the Weinsteins and Miramax, are the, which are the Weinsteins, realize, you know, there is a whole market that we don't have to make completely original content. People want to see part three, four or five and six of this shit and they'll rent it on a Friday night and buy Milk Duds. So, you is. know, you have the driving consumerism angle of this is one of like the few original concepts with children of the corn compared to a lot of the more consumeristic ones but it's also the very very first consumer driven point children of the corn it's it was easier at this point to make money off of video than it was theatrically because you had advertising you had um striking prints you had all this stuff to get this these films to the theater and you might bomb out and make two million and like lose a bunch of money but on video there's no preconceived notion of what it is. You dump it to video stores. You already have a name on it, like Children of the Corn, and people are going to rent. You've already sold it for whatever at the time, $100 a tape. So you've already made your money back just getting it to their, the opening weekend. And let's look um, at the cover again real quick. Tuesday. Because this is one of the more interesting covers, specifically with its titling, when it says Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest based on Children of the Corn by Stephen King. So this is not Stephen King's Children of the Corn anymore. It's simply based on. Yeah, so they've, well, it's not I will sue you. It's you have to pay me. So he's lost his million dollars and probably got, you know, 200,000 or something out of this one. So you can see as the production value and the sequels and the consumerism go on, Stephen King's name slowly appears less and less. King is getting a paycheck at this point with Urban Harvest, but um, you know, we both mentioned that we like Urban Harvest and we think it's more fun uh, than some of the other sequels, but we haven't talked about what Urban Harvest is about. Well, the story is basically the kids from Gatlin. It's a direct sequel to the first one again. And it's basically they. Well, like, you could have it as kids. a sequel to the the third one, I guess. I mean, it has no mention to, or not the third one, the second one, I guess. I like to consider this the second one and the third one following, you know, a, a transparent line in between those two. If you try and want to make it linear, which I guess I'll try and keep reference of. If you want to make a linear playlist of these movies, you can do part one, part two, and part three. So right now you're out of a playing field of okayness. We'll get into more later. 
What, so yeah, that's well, you have a whole like mysticism aspect, but I guess I'm jumping the gun here, aren't I? And that comes in a little bit later. Well, I'm just talking about the general idea of the the story here is they take the story, they move it to a new environment, which is new and interesting, so you're not having to shoot. Right, I have a question gun. though. Yes. There are several scenes where they drive back and forth from the city to Gatlin, which is supposed to be fucking nowhere. Where the hell does the movie take place? It can't be Omaha, and Chicago's way too far away. I don't know. I think it's supposed to honestly be Chicago. Chicago? That's a new one in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, there's a scene where they drive to and from in like 15 minutes, and I think it would be more like a two-day drive, but whatever. I'm the only person paying attention to this shit, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I, I did because I spent my whole week doing this, so I, I had no one else to talk to but you, and you were like, I don't care, Hank. So I just asked the dog, and the dog didn't answer. So email me your answer at deathbydvd. Keeping continuity throughout a series. It's I'm, a series of garbage It's films. the Halloween special I'm trying for the audience. I'm, I'm just out being there. thorough. Yes, I am fucking being thorough, man. <laughs> but, like, the things that work in this one, you do take it out of the Nebraska environment, but you, you put it in this... Um, it's urban harvest. Uh, the kid is sufficiently creepy. It's a kid from Demonic Toys. And it has a lot of, like, different His special name was Robert in it. Pulse. It has um, a Danny lot of... Cerny. Or Dan O'Cerny, by the, by what? the way. What? Dan O'Cerny. That's Eli Porter, Dan O'Cerny, the kid from Evil Toys. Demonic Toys? Who cares? Who cares what the kid's his name, name is? You just <laughs> referenced him, so you at least can say his name if you're going to reference him. I don't give a shit what his name is. He was in, like, two or three movies. Then why reference that he's in Demonic Toys? Yes, because, oh, it's that kid. The, the kid, I remember his face. That's Dan all that matters. You can remember his face. Who cares who remembers his name? His name was Robert Paulson. He has a name. I don't, he does not have a name. He's a creepy kid. Is what Dan O'Cerny. But he is a sufficient actor in the film. Um, and then you have the Screaming Mad George effects, which do things and has some vermicillitude. I can never say that word. Vermicillitude. Out of all the Children of the Corn sequels, this is the most fun with the effects. That You get actual gore, even though it might be short and 1995 gore, what you're dealing with with censors. But all of it's absolutely fun. And the end... He who walks behind the rose payoff is just so fucking ridiculous. It's a cheesy effect. Um, the miniatures do not work. They're really ridiculous, but they don't work fun. now, but it's fun. It didn't work back then either. And neither did the CGI in that one scene. The guy's face turned into a scarecrow. That is some look at the bat line around Bro, that. Monitor. What about the woman who face melts when she finds out that um Dano Cerny has not aged since 1963? So this one follows not even so much the first Children of the Corn movie, that this is going back to the Stephen King short story that in 1963, these murders, the prophet gets everyone in Gatlin to kill their parents, and then 12 years later, the events of Children of the Corn happen. So the character of Eli hasn't aged since 1963. He was put up for adoption from Gatlin originally there. So you've got a whole new concept and mythos that now that Isaac no longer exists— the man who walks behind the corn, he who walks behind the corn, what the goddamn fuck ever, has gone into Eli and that he's just been laying dormant, awaiting a time for him to release the crop to a whole new, you know, people to become part of his cult. Because he's pretty convincing. He manages to get the entire high school part of his flock 
and gets everyone and anyone in his way absolutely ravished. And, you know, you've got like one of my favorite death scenes is the pipe scene where the mom goes through the cornfield and then finally falls and lands on the water pipe as he goes and gets a drink of water with a little bit of humor added in between as to where part two had a lot of like non sequitur and useless humor. This kind of has a bullshit. I like to call it. This has a little bit more of a Sam Raimi humor to it. It's a little slapstick like the scene I just described. He's in his classroom and they're shooting the mother's death. You're going back and forth. He goes to get water. She falls on a water spigot and it comes out of her mouth until an awesome effect of blood squirting out. And it plays off. It's fun. And I'd say my personal favorite murder is his, the older kid's friend who gets, um, I don't know what the fuck happens. The corn tears his head off and his spine is... But it's just very odd and strange. Very uh, thick. And then you get the like bombastic ending of actually seeing He Who Walks Behind the Rose, which is a big tentacle mo- monster thing, whatever. <laughs> I mean, well, I think maybe it's just... How do you a, visualize that? I mean, again, me lamely trying to put some coherency to this. I think it's a form of He Who Walks Behind the Rose. I read an interesting concept about it being Randall Flagg, and because of its behavior and, and styles. It's, and in Stephen King's universe, he likes to connect things. We've talked about that a lot. Like, the Night Flyer is also connected to the story Popsy. Hey, if you listen to the last two episodes, you know how we talked about 1922? Guess where that takes place? Gatlin, Nebraska. So King really likes to connect whatever to whatever but this with its own connection to the other movie and trying to have its own mythology i i think it's fun here's where the money comes into this though so the end of this movie no matter what happens to he who walks behind the row and his new crop isaac's stepfather not isaac's stepfather danos's stepfather has managed to sell this corn and it's he going really flips to- out about that fucking corn though doesn't he it's it's impervious to everything. This is the best <laughs> corn I've ever had. Eats it raw, standing in a fucking urban lot in the middle of Chicago. I would not eat random Chicago field corn, but but who knows? Stay away from it too. Trust me. It's not safe. It's not safe at all. So dig this. The corn at the end of the movie is being sold to these Germans. So children of the corn, same exact thing. Let's do it in Germany. But fuck it. We can just do it in the Ukraine, Bulgaria, some Ukraine country. So the corn starts. The he who walks behind the rose is planted in a new harvest somewhere in Eastern Europe. And it speaks to the children because that's the whole point that it needs the children, the innocence and the rebirth constantly, you know, deliver thy unto the children. A whole new crop of children kill their parents. We just repeat the exact same first movie and boom, we do it in Bulgaria. The Death by DVD, Children of the Corn, sequel, part 11. Well, you take it to uh, Lionsgate and see how much money they give you. I mean, I think it's pretty good. What, what else happens in it besides it takes place in Eastern Bloc? What, what, I mean, Ooh, it uh, Yeah, it could be in Chernobyl. Mutant Corn. All right, okay. There's now. But where does that go? What's the story here, Hanks? Just give me a concept. There's no story here. It's Children of the Corn. It's the same thing. There's no fucking... (laughs) You're asking... the same thing again. It just happens to be a place in Bulgaria. It's a Stephen King movie. What do you want? You want coherency? I didn't want to sit down and have to write it. Neither does he. Um... Okay, so they're in Eastern Europe. What happens over there? Um, okay, maybe they're Chechens, and the Russian government's coming in and killing them all, and they find this village of these Christian purists with he who walks behind the rose that are now extremists living with the Chechens, and it becomes this battle between the Russian military and he who walks behind the rose. Hey, what about that? Man. That's something. Is that's that an idea? Uli Bull's uh, like itching to direct. 
that's that's still somebody would pay a dollar to see that just so they could bitch about it. We would make at least eleven dollars. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll get punched by Uli at some point during the production. It's an okay movie. I mean, it's not. I will give it two and a half and maybe a three, but it's it's just it's a very average. You're so wrong. I'm just, uh, you're so wrong. I'm just giving it a bit of a higher rating because, I don't know, I'm sentimental. I like Children of the Corn. I like the whole idea and mythos behind it. When I was a kid, I lived pretty much in a fucking cornfield, so maybe there's just something scary to me about corn. Maybe I had a bad experience with corn. I'm going to give it a three and four. Probably one of the best Children of the Corn movies there is. I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's the second best. It's one of the best. What would be your list so far? I mean, is this better than part two or part one? Yes. Uh, it edges with part one. It's very close to part one. Edging, isn't that where you stop before you come, jerking off? Yes, but what's that reference to now? Uh, I thought you were talking about it. No. No. So what's next? <laughs> um, we'll go into Children of the Corn 4. The, the gathering, gathering, which I'm pretty sure is not a Children of the Corn movie at all. It's something that he repackaged as a Children of the Corn movie. Uh, there's got to be like, anyway. two angles to this, that it's either a repackaged movie or it's something that like somebody wrote that was innocently so similar they realized, fuck it, we can just call it a Children of the Corn movie. Because it's got its own ideas, but the ideas follow Children of the Corn, but you find out that he who walks behind the rose in this one was a child preacher before Isaac. So this is going back to, I guess, the 30s in Gatlin. And there is no reference actually in the entire movie to He Who Walks Behind the Rose. Apparently there's a deleted scene, and that's where I get this information from that mentions this child preacher was called that, He Who Walks Behind the Rose. So this is one of the first, I think, out of three Children of the Corn movies that don't pay into the mythos or mention that whatsoever. Not sure where Stephen King's name fits into this one. We'll investigate. Like, it's got Naomi Watts in it. Um, it was a movie that they tried to make um, atmospheric. I will give them that. I think it's her first so, like leading like credit. Like you know, I'm Naomi Watts. Hear me roar. It was around the same time she was doing Tank Girl, and so I mean, this was when she was a fledgling star coming out. It is so boring. This is the most like one of the most, if not the most boring children of the. Corn. It feeds in really heavily constantly, and this is what drives me crazy with it is it's very boring, but every. Like inch you give it, it takes another step and goes. But wait, we're mo- here. Deal with this. Chew on this, and gives you this little bit more of information about what's going on. And you slowly start connecting the pieces. Like, okay, so another child preacher. It's before Isaac's time, and none of it. You don't, you just get this random kid that shows up at the end. Yeah, and the, there's the the weird rot that the. Um the kids are going through. And when we say kids, they've kind of eliminated actual children. And it's a lot of teenagers. It's a lot of 20 year olds playing teenagers for the most part. And like and some weird new metal looking kids. Oh, like, yeah. like they've all like, they've really depended on what the time era looks like. I mean, we've got Karen black and a Karen black role. She's not doing much. <laughs> Karen black getting a paycheck. Yes, you do have that. Um, but it's just, it's such a bland movie overall. And it, they're trying to put like a sense of mystery into what's happening. But when you're getting involved in something like children of the corn, it's, you got to take it somewhere and they just don't take it anywhere. It's like, we're working backwards in this movie to get back to it being a children of the corn movie. And that's what's the title is on the, the poster 
you already are assuming certain things about this, and it's kind of the same. Well, unfortunately, like what I keep as well. What I keep rattling on about and trying to connect uh, somehow linear, linear, linearly. I don't think that's a word, but yes. trying to you know linearly. Yeah. Okay. So we're. I like it when I don't make up words. Part four doesn't seem to connect or mix into anything. And the mythos is what's really important here. And you don't have to work with a lot. Like we mentioned, it's an eight page or so short story. He who walks behind the rose, weird stuff in the corn, super religious Zelo children run with that. They kill the adults once they're 19. Keep going with it. This, like we mentioned, probably wasn't a children of the corn movie. It, it has a good idea behind it that there's another preacher and that there's something else going on, but ghost children, maybe it, it, it's just too much of a what if movie that there's not a lot of coherent and constant plots or anything that's sequitur enough to follow what's going on. Like no one is really that bad. It's an okay f- story to follow, but if you're trying to like go from part one to part two to part three and you connect part four, it is just random. It's its own thing. Well, in part four, it just seems like the entire time we're trying to find the story. Like, it's the writer trying, as he's writing the story, like, let's find out what this is about as I'm going. And it ultimately goes fucking nowhere. It goes to a place that we've seen before in the Children of Corn mythos and the, the series of films of just, yeah, you know, some corn kids, they kill people. There's and no, they're just I mean, living out there in Gatlin. I mean, it's been how many years? I mean, if we're trying to follow an idea from... The first movie to now saying this is all one universe. How are the kids being born? Are they still just producing children onto children? I mean, they're obviously following fashion trends and they look a certain way. There's no when you give no reality to the story of the background. How does this happen? Why are they following trends? What happened to them all dressing in black and white and very modest and pious clothing? You know, all the. Yeah, but you're updating it, but by doing that, you're stripping out of any concept that gives it realism or reality, and now you're just obviously, this is to where I feel you're just slapping a product in our face, and as you mentioned with one of the other sequels, fucking take it, here's the sequel, people are going to buy this because it says Children of the Corn, and I do think at the the bottom text on this poster, you've got, um, based on the short story by Stephen King, so again, Steve's got a paycheck out of this. This had a baffling poster, this is another, you saw this sometimes at the video store, but it had rows of corn with this uh, kind of fat kid in a Canadian tuxedo. Who's not even in the movie, really. Yeah, you've got this, like, chunky boy in the uh, Canadian tuxedo holding the scythe and a bunch of kids behind him, and it's like all shadowed and weird, super photoshopped shot big-headed and it just says children of the corn of the roman yeah, it's new real bad four. graphic design it's really like because they're not naturally put in they're just kind of but it doesn't even tell the story corn. like there's no aspect there's no idea of what's going on here there's no continuation of what at least part two and part three tried to provide part two being a shittier movie still tried to provide a bit of a story it wasn't such an in-your-face we're just keeping the title we're just fucking keeping this refreshed so nobody else buys it up. Now, which one has David Carradine in it? Is that five? Um, or, yeah, that's five. Because, yeah. Fred Winston and David Carradine show up in the mm-hmm. fifth one. That's when things get pretty goddamn wacky, and that is definitely what this film is missing. Part five is Part five is where they realized... We have the contracts for quite a lot of people we haven't used in a while. Let's all throw them in one movie. And it keeps growing. <laughs> I think part six, you get Stacy Keach. Yeah, part six does have Stacy Keach in it. Well, so I will give Children of the Corn for The Gathering. It's a one. It can't be any higher than a one. It is bland, boring, and it just gives me sorrow. So it's a one and maybe a two just because it's a part of the series. 
one ski and Dunsky, and I'll give it a two because of Naomi Watts early appearance. Somebody who's got on to be, I don't know. I wouldn't say one of my favorite actresses, but I always enjoy watching her and I've never had a problem with her. So I like Naomi Watts. Uh, I can't think of any death scenes whatsoever. Nothing comes to mind. I guess that will do it for this short special Halloween episode. The Halloween Harvest? What What were we calling it? Death by DVDs, Halloween Harvest, Night 2. Sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects. Sound the Death by DVD, Halloween Harvest, Night 2. I'm going two. back to the Corninning. Death by DVDs, The Corninning, Night 2. Sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects. All right, tune in tomorrow for another all-new, really short episode of a regular show that we do all the time anyway. Death by DVD was recorded live in Gatlin, Nebraska, in front of he who walks behind the road.